what is the difference between really compelling storytelling and just people sitting down and just chatting, just talking, right? So for me is, uh, you know, I'm trying to build a full story arc. And when I'm sitting down and interviewing a guest, I'm trying to get into the, okay, what is the core message? What is the core takeaway? Podcast Junkies, episode 220. I'm Harry Duran, host of Podcast Junkies. Conversations with interesting and fascinating podcast personalities since 2014. And as of this recording, it's been six years since I launched Podcast Junkies. And it's been an incredible ride so far. We're definitely in interesting times now. And now I feel like more than ever, I appreciate the ability I've had to build those relationships with all these amazing past guests. In case you missed last week's episode, I spoke to Danielle Desir. She is the founder of womenofpodcasting.com. It's a group that started as a Twitter hashtag and eventually built and grew into the group that it is now, uh, which is led by Danielle and her amazing group of female podcasters of color. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite. There's a fantastic sponsorship happening this month. Focusrite has launched the Podcast Studio Makeover, and it's running from March 6th through April 17th. This is an amazing giveaway, and you should definitely jump on this. They've partnered with a group of companies to give away three prize bundles to chosen winners, each of them valued at over $2,300. This bundle is bananas. First off, it's the Scarlett 18i8 third-generation USB audio interface. It features four upgraded third-generation Scarlett mic preamps, the switchable air mode I've mentioned earlier, two high headroom instrument inputs, eight line inputs. This thing is amazing. Then there's the Heil PR40 and PL2T boom arm, a free month of Squadcast. You guys know I love Squadcast, plus 50% off the first two months. Simplecast, again, another fantastic partner of the show. You get the first month free. Audio Mute, you get a $500 store credit and a free consultation. Hindenburg, a $95 store credit, enough for a journalist to be applied towards an upgrade. And Adam Audio is providing a pair of SP5 headphones. Last but not least, you get to pack it all up in your Namba gear, Lil Namba Remix backpack. This is a crazy, crazy, crazy kit. Make sure you sign up. I've created a special link. Go to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite promo. That's podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite promo. What are you waiting for? Go sign up now. This week, I have a conversation with Ian Gaines. He and I connected at a podcast movement last year, seems like such a long time ago, and he is the host of Immigration Nerds Podcast. It's a show that goes beyond the borders and covers all things immigration. We talked uh, a lot about how his career trajectory and the success he had when he put himself out there for the creation of this podcast. So he talked about that story, and I think it's it's really interesting to understand his mindset at the time, how he's grown as a podcast interviewer, and we dig into what he's changed his mind about recently. One of my favorite questions. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. 
about your existing or new show. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's connect with Ian. So Ian Gaines, host of Immigration Nerds, thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you, Harry. It is an absolute pleasure to be on. It's a privilege. Thank you. So let's talk about how we met. It's one of my favorite things to do to kick off each episode. So what's what's your memory? Because sometimes <laughs> when you ask two people, they get the two different stories. I love that you asked it in that way because that's 100% usually the case. So uh, this was my first podcast movement. It was in Orlando over the summer, I guess was August... And I recently did a, a podcast with a, a policy analyst from Brookings Institution. So actually, the producer and audio engineer from Brookings Institution was there. So I was talking to them. And then the the, the talk of the town was Harry. The talk of the town. Because he went by and it was just like, yo, that, that's Harry. That's Harry. You, you got to go. You got to talk to him. Got to talk to him. So I'm like, I was like, who is this guy? Because I, I, you know, I'm green. I don't know anybody around. So I I walk up and he was just like, yeah, he has the podcast and he does, you know, within the community and just the, for all podcasters. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So once we went, we started chatting. I talked about immigration nerds and he was like, oh, this is, this is over, you know, some gin and juice. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I do remember that part. <laughs> so from there we absolutely clicked. We was hanging out for like a couple of days after that too. So that's the beauty of those conferences. I've been thankfully I've been going to podcast movement since it started. So it's been a, a special place in my heart because I remember when it was a Kickstarter and now it's just blown up. It's literally like the number one podcasting event. They just so shout out to uh, Jared and Dan for what they've put together. And they just had evolutions in LA. I think they just crossed the thousand person registration mark. So they're just, they're blown up and they're, they're making a, a big name for themselves. So it's just fun to watch a lot of my peeps in the podcasting community, like doing a lot of things. Like, and I remember, like, I remember the first time I heard the first episode of the podcast startup from Gimlet. Mm. And now, you know, fast forward two, three years, they just got, you know, not just, but they got bought by Spotify for like a hundred. <laughs> so it's been a fascinating journey. And I can relate to where you were because when I went to my first podcast movement conference, or even my first conference in this space, New Media Expo, where I got the idea for this show, like it, I remember riding the shuttle van from the airport to the hotel. And I'm like, I don't know anybody here. Cause I've been in other business conferences, like business object, bus- I used to work with business objects and they had a huge conference. So I would go with my coworkers, but it was like, I would met a couple of guys on the van and then they're just like, I, I think I had one or two friends from the online community and from Facebook friends. And I met them there. So that was nice, but I can relate to that. And I always look for people who are like, there's always going to be new people at a conference and uh, you never know, you know, you hit it off. And, and usually what happens is when you hit it off in those first at that first opening party, and then we just keep bumping into each other. And we're just like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, what's we- going on? What's happened? And then it's it's like this core group of folks that just sort of like circles around for the, the rest of the time. And then I think I got to introduce you to a couple of folks as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I went through my my rookie sort of initiation i <laughs> just <laughs> meeting all the the new folks and well new to me but you know people been there for the last four or five years yeah six years and you know it's a real strong community that's building and also that's very 
supportive, I would say. Totally. It's definitely a supportive community where creatives can get together. Everybody has something to say. Obviously, you're on podcasts, you're audio, and they're really passionate about whatever their industry is, whatever their focus. I met her, I, I remember after one of the sessions, I go to the bar and I'm having lunch, whatever. I'm sitting down as another guy. And, you know, the question is like, oh, so what's your podcast? You know, that's just the, <laughs> that's just the question that you ask everybody. And this guy, I forget the actual title of it, but literally he said, oh, I analyze and review terrible metal bands from the nineties. I was like, that is the most specific podcast I have ever heard. Terrible metal bands. Like, how many is that? Like, how come, how long you can do that series for? Yeah. You know, but that's the joy. And he just, he broke it down and talked about corn and all this other stuff. I'm like, all right, this is great. Is corn a terrible one? They, they got some publicity. I thought they were pretty famous. See, it's, it's exactly. Music is subjective. So, you know. It is. When you think about your objectives when you were getting ready to go to the conference, what did you have in mind? Like, what did you want to get out of it? What were you looking for? Like, what would have been like a successful conference for, for you prior to you arriving there? Yeah. Well, since this is new for me, once again, it's immigration nerds. It's through the law firm Erickson Immigration Group. So we just built out this media side of things and really just having a platform that stands out against our competitors, uh, where we have a, a place to stay on top of immigration news that happens, you know, on a week to week basis, right? So we have a voice, we show our expertise, we show our authority within the space, right? And that grew. It got in Spotify is the number one immigration podcast on Spotify. We're like two or three on Apple podcasts. So, you know, talking to management, we're like, okay, we need to do something. This is, this is rolling. This is going. This has traction. So with that, you know, looking, you know, I follow pod news, you know, every day they come. Yes. I'm actually speaking to, I'm interviewing James Cridland today, as a matter of fact. Really? <laughs> the oh, author. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned him. Like, yeah, we had to make the times work because he's in Australia, but uh, we're chatting today in a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, well, send me his contact and a plane ticket. And then we can <laughs> <laughs> we can make things work. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so the initial thing was like, hey, just learning the industry. What is the difference between really compelling storytelling and just people sitting down and just chatting, just talking? Right. So for me is, uh, you know, I'm trying to build a full story arc. And when I'm sitting down and interviewing a guest, I'm trying to get into the, okay, what is the core message? What is the core takeaway that I want my guests to come away with? And then also, I don't want them to be fading out and just like, okay, this is immigration. This is boring. This is, I've got to find a way. I tell the people that I work with now, because now I'm I'm managing. So I have, you know, two assistant producers, another guy who does research and a guy who does video. We're, we're building out like the video aspect of it. Right. 
And what I tell them all the time is just like, okay, we got to find a way to make immigration sexy. All right. <laughs> like, how can we do this to, because it's very interesting. We're talking about migration, people from uh, different lands, different cultures, moving to a totally new place. And how do they fit in this new environment? Right. So that in itself is amazing. But you know, when you look at it on paper, you're just like, oh yeah, just immigration. So we're going to, we try to find the magic within that, you know, what makes it special and compelling and thought provoking. Yeah. I think what's interesting and we can, and I'm really curious about like the audiences and what your thoughts about who was going to listen to it and how that's changed over time. But what I love is that you're you, you pull people in, like if, when I was looking at some of the past episodes, you know, obviously topics like separated families and like marijuana legalization in Canada and then like oh, yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. what's happening with like the, the trend towards protectionism and stuff like that. So I think people can look at it from the lens of immigration, but then they, if they find something that they like focus on specifically that's, you know, r- related to it, like you had the one that says social media accounts who now will be collected from visa applicants, which is kind of bananas. I didn't, haven't had a chance to listen to that, but just it's fascinating. So if you're following it, it seems like, and because you had early mover status, I, I don't know the, the total count of all immigration podcasts, but it seems like you're making a name for yourself in the immigration industry. And, and I think that's probably what, what one of the main goals was from the firm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So one, I have to thank the my managers and people who just said, okay, this kid has a crazy idea and he wants to move into media <laughs> and okay, we're actually going to fund this. This is, you know, I know I'm a, in a very privileged position and, you know, I don't take it for granted. I'm very grateful for it. So I do whatever I can to build that platform. But also I, it's stationed in Washington, DC, well, Arlington, Virginia, but I'm I stay in DC. I can talk to think tanks at, you know, as I said, Brookings Institute, you know, one of the top think tanks in, you know, the, the world, really. You could say the country, but also the world. Politico. We've had journalists from there. We have professors from University of Maryland, University of Howard come through. And matter of fact, next week, I'm not sure when this comes on, but <laughs> from when we're recording it, uh, the next episode talking to a professor and she works on privacy rights in terms of data collection, right? And what's happening at the border is when for detainees who come over, mm-hmm. they are literally collecting their DNA, right? They're collecting this DNA collection and because they what they say is like, if families come over, they want to make sure and verify that, okay, if a husband and wife come over with a child, make sure that they're all related, right? And not, it's just, you know, a guy and a girl and they just took some kid over and their DNA does not match up, right? But also it brings in the larger conversation is like, okay, what is the legal implications of that? Okay, taking the (laughs) <laughs> the, our DNA, not just detainees, it, it's larger than that, that, you know, convicted felons, that is, like, the government is, is CODIS, is C-O-D-I-S, is an acronym, uh, but is a, a government agency under the FBI, right? They collect DNA of, you know, convicted felons, detainees, and other U.S. citizens, 
and it moves around the different agencies. So I was like, okay, there's nothing more personal <laughs> of an identification than my DNA. So what, what are you doing with this? You know, you know, you talk about the larger conversation of, you know, Facebook and the data wars and Twitter with data. What are people buying and selling your data? They're saying that's the new oil, the digital oil. Like, man, what's deeper than DNA? So like, these are the conversations we're having. It's not just sitting down like, okay, Trump passed the new travel ban. And we talk about that, which we're literally a uh, episode is coming out very shortly <laughs> on that, but we, we spice that up, but also the more theoretical and philosophical questions that comes with migration. I would say this last one, this last example, we have something working with the coronavirus, right? You know, the coronavirus happening in China. And so in America, we, there's a 14 day, uh, restriction from travel from China to and from uh, other countries did it as well, like France. And I'm, I want to say UK, but the larger, so you take that instance, like, oh, wow, that's stopping travel because of this pandemic, right? Yeah. Some of the, when airlines just uh, stopped flights to Hong Kong, I think United or something, I just saw it like on a, on a tweet or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that, the coronavirus, right? But now if I can have an expert come on who looks at the total history of what was the migration sort of trends, what was the migration trends for pandemics throughout history, right? So when you think about what happened to migration when SARS hit, what happened? We go all the way back to the Black Plague, you know, or watch the or watch the movie World War Z. <laughs> that's the next one. That's that's the twenty twenty five. Just wait, we got information on this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like how when the Black Plague hit, how was Europe restructured by people fleeing and moving? Oh yeah, the, just the migration trends from there. So migration is bigger than just the latest. Okay, immigration. How many people from you know? China came to America. How many people from Saudi Arabia move? Like we're, we're trying to expand it and uh, make it broader in a sense where people understand that, Hey, it affects your everyday lives, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. There's so many, it's interesting. I saw on Twitter, some, somebody in New York, I'm originally from New York. I grew up there and uh, someone in New York was tweeting that they were just losing their mind because apparently uh, Trump banned New Yorkers from allowing to them to renew their TSA travel thing where you can kind of, it's that pass where you can, the the, the speed pass where you're when you're traveling the TSA, um, I forgot what it's called, but the, the traveler's program. Right, right, right. Like the, uh, like the first travelers. Yeah. They get to skip the line. Yeah. The one where you, where you travel, when you go to the airport, you can skip the, skip the line, right? The TSA plan. Apparently New Yorkers cannot renew that service because New York has been declared a sanctuary city for immigrants and apparently Trump equates that with like <laughs> like bad people coming over so this little tit for tat thing is like having so many like rippling effects and uh it's just crazy like to your so to your point i mean it touches whether we want to or not like immigration touches us in ways sometimes we don't even expect right man so 
And that's what I'll say for your like listenership audience is even if you have a, whether it's a podcast or a platform that is, you know, pretty specific, you know, pretty, you know, nuanced and just like immigration. That's a very particular, <laughs> like a very specific genre, right? You can find a way of, okay, how does this topic influence the world? You can go that perspective. Or how does the world influence your specific topic, right? And you can broaden it out. You can always blend different genres together and different talking points of how does this impact the global trend of things, right? So it's, it's, you know, and really when it comes down to podcasting, you know, it's different from the radio. We're not trying to reach, you know, the super masses. We want very fervent fans that loves whatever you love, Marvel, you love Wolverine. There's a Wolverine <laughs> podcast <Not totally laughs> that's all Wolverine that has his height, his weight, and when he was born and all his first adventures. And people, you could do an hour and a half long each episode. Oh, and that. I'm sure they do. There's probably, <laughs> do there's probably several of them. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's interesting. Talk to me a little bit about how you wind the clock back a bit, how you got uh, involved in here and how long you've been at the firm and how your career trajectory, like, had you end up there? Yeah, that's interesting. So after school, I don't want to age myself, you know what I'm saying? After I'm dropping some jewels, they were like, <laughs> what? He's just a kid. I'm not going to listen. Whatever the hell are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I got kids, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so at 2014, uh, I graduated from University of Chicago and I was a political science major. And my trajectory at the time was going into law. So from Chicago, I, I, I get a job as a paralegal in DC because I just wanted to test the legal field to see how that like worked for me. And it was the best thing that I did because for those people, if you're a hundred percent sure that you know, Hey, I want to be a pilot. And you just know that at 13, go for it. Don't ask no questions. Don't double think yourself. Just go be a pilot. You're going to be a pilot for those who are graduating and say, Hmm, you know, being a lawyer would be interesting or, you know, working in politics would be interesting. You're still sort of wavering. You know, I would suggest to try it out, you know, try out it, being in that environment, working with lawyers. And so you can get a full understanding of what that job entails. So, and that's what exactly what I did. And after about a year and a half, I was like, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the revelation that came to me. And in college, I also did music videos. So I was still in, I, I played football. So that has a big part of my life, but like half my friends was football guys and the other half were like theater nerds and like interesting mix. Yeah, it's, they and those two parties did not mix. I was the only blend between them, which is weird. And so that's when I got into like video stuff, production and radio, just helping on radio. I did an internship on in radio. Uh, and I was like, man, and I thought about two years in after graduating, I was like, man, Ian, what do you really want? You really don't care about being pushing papers, law, reading text, doing the semantics there. Like, how do you 
want to make that impact. And honestly, it came down to what do I do the most when I'm not, I'm not getting paid for it, when I'm just chilling, relaxing, what I just enjoy. I just love interviews. I just sit down. Like it started off with Howard Stern. I was, man, seven years old. Like my uncle, he would. <laughs> Listen to Howard Stern. I'm getting ready for the bus. Wow. And there's like, and there's like talking about strippers and stuff like that on there and like Beetlejuice (laughs) and all that. I remember all this. I was very (laughs) indoctrinated at a young age. Very, at an impressionable young age listening to Howard Stern. That's so wild. That's probably the youngest (laughs) Howard Stern fan I've ever heard. I wasn't even know if I was a fan. I was just in the, environment i was just there just that's og that's og radio right there man absolutely and just like how powerful his voice was and how compelling it was i just that always stuck with me and then later on like in high school and and college was like Char- like now charlemagne the god you know charlemagne the god from breakfast club so and I was like, when I go home, I don't really watch series that much. I like sit down. I like to listen to interesting people, successful people, people who achieve something, people who have a certain sort of ideology or philosophy that's interesting. And just to sit down and just pick their brain, go back and forth. The conversation, like what sort of ideas do you have that you can, you can bring and, and help others with? And for, to me, that's, that's the most fascinating thing. And I was like, I can do this. I can do this for until, until they, they come knocking until my numbers pulled, you know? So that was the thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can, uh, I, I would do this. And first I, I worked at actually, I lucked up. I, I did some, uh, temp work at NPR. So I got, wow, to that's, this, like, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that really. <laughs> Got to see it. And it was like, to, to be fair, it was like six weeks that I was working. But just to be in an environment, just the level of... Oh, yeah. You know... that That's the major leagues and when you talk about radio, right? Like, everyone's like, oh, NPR, man. Like, <laughs> they don't play around there. Right. And that didn't go to like a full-time thing. So when I came to EIG, in my mind, I went as a paralegal because that was like my background, my resume. But... Shout out to Hibba Amber, Justin Parsons, of course, Jerry Erickson. They were the first people to say, like, when I went to them and said, like, hey, I was checking. None of our competitors in immigration law have a podcast. Podcast, I'm telling you, podcast is going to blow. That is going to be the platform for audio. And, you know, especially when you're talking to people that's, you know, in a different generation, they don't see quite see what's coming. But like, I have to be in the future because I'm going to be living in it. So <laughs> like, I have to know what's go- <laughs> what's going to be the next 10, 15 years because. Totally. Yeah, that's a great point. That's what's being built. So I had to convince them and I was paralegal for half the time and then. <laughs> for th- the first three episodes, I was a paralegal, but then on the weekends, I would do the interviews, edit it, put it together, do the research, everything. And I put it together and like our CEO got to see. Now, how it flipped into not just a, a part t- thing I did on the side to something that was, okay, 
we we just got to recognize it. Like, you know what I'm saying? If Kobe knocked down 30 on you, like <laughs> three games in a row, like, okay, we, somebody got to guard him. Like, does anybody know his name? Who is that guy? <laughs> Who's that 17 year old killing them? So yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, actually one of our clients was, and one of the people from there emailed, I, I'm not sure if it was one of our attorneys and said, Oh, you guys got a podcast. I was just listening to it. It's pretty cool. Well, it's good stuff. Like whatever. And I was in, man. I was in. You were like, yes. I was in from there. <laughs> and that was one of our biggest clients. So because a lot of our clients are sort of uh, Silicon Valley tech hub type people. So they're savvy. So what helped me out is that they're already in, just like their mind is in 2030. Like we're, the mind is in 2030, 2035. They know, they know where podcast is. So they're podcast listeners and that kind of set my way out. And then I did it, man. I did it G style. I'm not going to lie. I did a G style. I told, I wrote out <laughs> in a, a doc, a word doc, and then put it in a PDF of like, Hey, I, I believe this needs to be full time. I, I have to, cause in order to, bring the quality and the type of guests that we want. And so I can put the time and research into the topics. This ha- Was this after, uh, this is before podcast movement, right? Yeah, this is before podcast movement. So before podcast movement, so I've been doing this for about a year. I know it's not going to sound like much time, a year and a half, but, <laughs> but no, but, but when you think, when you think about it, and this is what I want the listener to focus on, what you think about what you've been able to accomplish in that period of time, and also to introduce your firm to the world of podcasting and have success with it to the point where people who are listening are coming back and realizing that it's valuable content that you know that, that they're listening to on a regular basis to the point where then you can feel like, okay, now it's time to step this up to the next move. This is like fascinating stuff. And I'm sure there's people who are currently at their nine to five who probably jotting down notes feverishly because it's like, wait, I think it's time for me to pull an E in, in, my, in my company. <laughs> pull it. I'm telling you, do it. Don't wait. No, <laughs> no, but honestly, talk about that word doc you were putting together and you, you basically, you, you decided like, I'm going to rewind a little bit back. Cause I want to peek into your head a little bit. Like when you were doing this part time and then you said, I think I got something here. Right. And then you were like, I'm going to, gonna. so then there's some, some part of you where the wheels start turning. You're like, I'm going to have to, I want to put a proposal together because I want to do this full time. So talk about what your thought process was around there as, as you were getting ready to kind of move forward with making this proposal. Yeah, I, I will have to correct you. I didn't think I had something. That's sometimes what your situation is going to be is not knowing the next step, whether you're going to be successful or not. But you know that you want to do this thing, right? Yeah. So your passion was there. That was the only thing that's driving. I didn't know I was going to be, you know, successful at it. Or I still don't even think like I'm just always improving, just trying to improve, just raise the level each time. But if it's something that you want, you're like, hey, I'm going to go for it. The worst that they can tell me is no. That's the worst thing. Shout out to my pops. He he told me this very young. I remember this girl when I was 13, she broke my heart. And he was just like, listen, the worst thing I can say is just no. And then there's a whole sea of like <laughs> other potential. And I was like, oh, 
You're right. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. That was be. actually way too easy. I got over that <laughs> way easier than I thought I would. But, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, so getting to the proposal. So I, I didn't know, but I knew myself that in order to raise my game, I needed more time to do it. And I w- I couldn't burn the candle from both ends, you know, doing the paralegal work and then also meeting us. So I wrote out literally what I did. I mean, I'll give you all the gems. So what I did was I went to Glassdoor and I just what podcast producer or something from a reputable uh, place and where they had the roles and responsibilities and all that. Man, I- be lazy. It's okay. I copied and pasted most of that, put it on there, and then <laughs> tweaked it to my particular situation. And from the roles and responsibilities, even who I, I was even like uh, audacious enough to say who I report to. It was like, yeah, I'm going to report to this person too about this. I'm, <laughs> man, it's crazy. I know it's ridiculous. It's good. Um, it's great. And then like the hours that it would take, but I was, but the thing about it, I was very fair. The one thing that nobody can say is like, oh, like in terms of, you know, the salary he was up in it or in terms of, you know, the responsibility he's taken too much or taken like the title that was too high. Like I'm the managing director of no, 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 no. I, I knew my place and I was very realistic about it. And that's how I structured it. I, Cause I knew that if I, if I have this opportunity, I'm going to work up to now where we have five people on the team, but it takes, it takes that knowing where you are, it's uh, that awareness, that self-awareness of, Hey, this is where I am right now. And just having the patience to like, okay, if I keep on working, I'm going to get up to this place. And when, when a person sees that, they're like, Oh man, they're actually kind of, I want to say low on it, but it's like, okay, they're really being honest with their position. I know I didn't have experience back there all i can offer them was me busting my ass you know that's all i can <laughs> offer it's always great <laughs> it's always great to over deliver right to to kind of set a, a standard that you know you can meet and then just kind of like try to like 10x at that that because then the, the, it really shows like the passion that you have for it so i'm curious what the team looks like now in terms of like roles and responsibilities if you could outline that oh man i'm gonna do a bunch of shout outs so they can listen to it later so uh <laughs> luke Bianco and David White, they are really smart guys about like a year out of college, but they're researchers, right? They do a lot of the research. Talking right now, I said like the DNA collection. So I have, you know, one person mm-hmm. look into like the person who I'm interviewing, like their research background and the papers that they wrote and just give me those notes and stuff like that. So I can go in and kind of have like a shortcut to that. And then Luke just generally like the, on the government side, what I was telling about like the CODIS, the C-O-D-I-S under FBI, like he was looking into that sort of stuff. Brandon, he works a lot of more of the, the social media side of things. So whenever we post an episode, we usually do like a little teaser track and it's a little video, like it's a minute you know, minute 15, but it will have the graphics. It'll, it'll be transcribed. It has the subtitles and you have like a, a fluid ba- background that's going. Like an audio audiogram. Right. Ex- exactly. Uh, audiogram 
of that. Uh, so he's doing that and we're building out, we're kind of working this now. So like the YouTube aspect of it and what capacity do we want the podcast to be visual and then what part audio. So that's, that's being worked out now. And then Carly, she's our marketing director. So she just makes sure she just keeps me in check. Just make sure I don't go too over the line with things because <laughs> I want to do everything. I just want to do everything. And then she'd be like, okay, Ian, okay. We, we can't have T-Pain come through. All right. And sing to the crowd. I was like, but why not? The people will love it. Everybody love T-Pain. What have what has been the most exciting part for you in terms of the people that you've had to speak with? Can you recall like a recent interview or, or someone you've you've chatted with where you either learned something? I mean, I'm sure you're learning something from your guests all the time, but something that sort of like lights you up and, you know, it's like asking to pick your favorite kid. Obviously, I know that. But, you know, something that comes to mind, one of your, your recent uh, episodes. I have to, it'll be hard to dig deep in the crepes because now we're like 77 podcasts in. And after each week is like, okay, on to the next. I'm just always on to the next. But most recently is the episode that I did with Jawanda Jones. She's a attorney and she's actually a, a Liberian citizen, right? Well, she was born, born and raised in Liberia. And Liberia is a country in West Africa, but a lot of people don't know its ties to America. So, Liberia was created by freed African American slaves. People, like you'll be surprised how many Americans actually don't know this. The con- to bring immigration context to it, Trump, the the administration released uh, a pathway to citizenship, direct citizenship for a Liberian citizens, and you would think like, oh, why do they get this special pathway to citizenship? But then you dig into the history it's like oh wow liberia is like america's little brother you know and in, in a sense so like in the the 18 after uh this is actually before it was completely abolished slavery there were certain freed uh african slaves right and <laughs> for many different reasons some slaveholders thought that okay if you have the presence of freed slaves uh, around our plantation then they might motivate our slaves to sort of uprise or you know get gain their freedom right so yeah they don't want them getting any crazy ideas or something like that right we need to find a place to put these people, right? So that that was one side of it. But then there was a other side of actual just freed slaves saying like, hey, listen, we want to leave this place. We know that, you know, being here, you know, we were brought here against our will and this country was not designed for us. We want to go back to our homeland and design our own country, you know, in our image, right? It was two pronged, but yeah. So I went into the history and the craziest part about it is the mentality in terms of the superiority and inferiority complex, right? Because it's not a race thing. It's not a color thing. What happened was when those freed African slaves, they went to Liberia, there were still people in that area, native Africans, you know, it, they call them uh, indigenous, you know, Liberians. So, but 
since they felt like the free slaves felt like, oh, we came from America, they did exactly to those natives what, you know, white slave owners did to them. They subjugated them. They, they made them second class citizens. They weren't able to be a part of governments or have any high ranking positions. And this lasted for, and these are black African, you know, African Americans, you know, slaves. And this happened for, you know, uh, over like 150 years until in the 1980s, it was just a civil war because in the, it took 150 years for a native, uh, Liberian to become the, the actual president, right? And it was through means that was a little forceful and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and that's <laughs> sure. what started the, the disbalance. But what do you, what do you expect? Like you, you, you can only oppress uh, people for so long until it comes back to you. It's, it's inevitable. It's just human nature, right? And you would think that these people who were subjugated to such atrocities would, would know that, but no, they, they internalize it and they inflicted it upon. Yeah. It's almost like that. It's a little bit, may not be a direct correlation, but you know, kind of when they talk about the bullying, the person who's bullying nine times, almost every single time they're getting bullied at home. Right. So they're just trying to take it out. So it's funny how you would think like a population that learned, you know, who had to go through that, you know, that subjugation, they'd be the first ones to like not put anyone else through that. How many numbers are we talking about of African-Americans that went from the U.S. to Liberia? Oh, see now, because I, I say exactly the number in the podcast. I'll tell people, I'll direct you to the our Liberian podcast. But it was over, it was like, like over a course of 40 years, maybe like 20,000, something like that. Yeah, so... All right, small number. Yeah, that's int very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I did not know that, so I learned something new today too. So that's awesome. Uh, and we'll make sure we li we have a link to the episode in the show notes as well. So make sure you send that along. What? How have you grown as an interviewer since you started? As a interviewer, I think naturally I always felt comfortable and and just confident around people, especially one on one, just sitting down and just like picking each other, uh, being able to pick each other's brains. But as specifically an interviewer, uh, <laughs> making them feel comfortable, right? It's a difference of you yourself. Like, oh, yeah, I got this down pack and it's good. Like, like in your mind, you're good. But, hey, this is the first time that this person's sitting across from you. Or this is the first time that they're on ever doing an interview. So there's a some nerves there. And so what I like to do the first five minutes, I'm just chatting, usually about something that I've read about them. So get them talking about themselves, really. And it makes it sort of easy for them. It's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. And and it kind of strokes the ego a little bit. It's like, oh, well, actually, yes, it was a Pulitzer Prize winner. And uh, I'm glad that you knew this. I have it hanging on my fridge. And nothing, nothing substitutes for that. Like, no, you know, man, it's, it's kind of cliche for 2020. I said that motivation is dead for 2020. I don't want to hear no other motivation quotes. I'm motivation quote out. <laughs> y'all, that's all y'all got is words and motivation. That, that, that doesn't feed me. I need, I need totally. actions, yeah. but, but, but I, I say all that just to say. Is nothing, nothing substitutes work. 
nothing substituted. And I have a lot of people come up now. People, I'm not sure if people see is audio or video or not, but you know, I'm fairly young looking. I got, I'm a black dude with just got like t- twists and curls and stuff like that. So they're like, oh, this is the dude, like, he, is he, is he our DJ or something like that? Like, <laughs> we about to, we about to jam. It's about to be lit. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think in first meeting that there is a little bit like, oh, okay, nothing bad does not phase me in a sense, but I always know because I have the information. So soon as you sit down and I can methodically go down the talking points with them and ask intelligent and insightful questions, then they're like, oh, okay. He knows we was talking about we let's go. And then all that sort of stuff melts away. It melts away. And I'll say that for anybody. And the time flies by, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, time yeah, flies like, by. Like it's flying it's by right now. And I will say that for anybody. Like if, you know, if you, it, any sort of marginalized group or disenfranchised group, you're, you know, if you're a woman, gender, you know, or if you're any sort of ethnicity, and you feel like, hey, there's less of you in a particular space, the best thing that you can do is just put in the work, put in. And sometimes it might be the extra hours. Sorry, that's how the game is. Like, I I didn't create it. I didn't decide the rules, but I know what's in front of me. I know this reality. So instead of, you know, just, I won't say... Uh, complaining but instead of you know just talking about the issues like hey yes that's a hundred percent an issue that needs more representation needs more representation in this area and that area but until we get to that point and i know we got other people working in those areas i'm going to do everything i can do to to break in here like and and this in this facet so you know immigration like what what voice would not be better for this, you know, young, youthful, the forward thinking, minded, inquisitive, you know, really want to get to the facts, really want to understand what's going on in this world and how as a globe that we can better understand each other. And I think what's interesting is that you provide the generational crossover as well, because if it was just to, you know, nothing against an old generation, but if it's two folks in their 60s having this conversation versus someone, you having a conversation with someone who is older, but then you provide the context of what you're learning and the lens through which you see the world and, and your generation sees the world, I think those types of mixes, they create for some really, and I'm sure you've experienced it, some really dynamic conversations. Yes. I will say this, uh, I'm not sure what point we are, we are here, but... Anybody who's trying to get into storytelling, whether it's journalism, but podcasts in general, I would recommend Eric Newsom, uh, Make Noise. It's a great, that, that book for me, putting together, just structuring a narrative, knowing, cause once, okay, you can have the interview, but okay, do you know where to put the, 
specific clips and what type of music to use as the bedding to draw out that emotion, right? What is the pacing of the story? Are you staying on one topic too long and you're losing your audience? Man, we can dive into the, you know, the 2.0. I can go to advanced lessons too, you know, which everyone do. We'll, we'll save that for when you right. come back for round two. Or <laughs> we can do that. So, but yeah, for people who are starting out for podcasts, like that's good. Um, but yeah, start off where, where you are, like whether it's NPR, this American life, New York Times, those tried and true journalists. And even if you don't want to do it that way, because I know myself, I'm a little bit more lax. I'm more, I like to be loose with it. I like to use different jargon. So it's, I'm not that formula, but it's good to know that formula to know like, okay, this is the established. This is how you break a story. This is how you investigate. This is how you research it and tell a story. Okay. And this is the professional button up version of that. What, right. The framework. Yes, exactly. Use it as a framework. Know the framework first, then improvise. See, a lot of people want to improvise and start break dancing and they don't know how to two-step. Like, learn to two-step first before you start spinning on your head. You're going to break your neck. All right? No, that's good. Yeah, it's just dropping gems all day. So what motivates you? Because you talk about – it's not the quotes. I know that. So what keeps you going? I mean, you're, you're doing – you're living your dream now. You wanted to be in media and, and you made this position for yourself. So what, what keeps you motivated? keeps me motivated is the need to be better than my last episode, to be the better than my last project, whatever last thing that I put out, like in my mind, that's the, that's the new floor. That's the new just floor. Okay. It can't can't dip below that. And it's a, it's a game that I play in my head that is like, okay, no, I, that two, two episodes ago, I already did that. And that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, corny. That's trite. Like, no, really think about this. Spend some time on this. You know, you can make this better. How can I tell this story better? How can I bring out, um, the, the emotion better out of people? And as long as I do that, and this is small steps, man, it's, it's small. It's not leaps, but I can feel good. When I release whatever sort of project I, you know, I, I finish whatever episode that I'm doing or just projects in general, I'm like, okay, I, I know I did better than the last thing and it's some sort of area. And sometimes you have to pick it out. Like, okay, what do I want to get better? And I, last time, uh, my, it, my questions weren't as, you know, introspective. It wasn't insightful. Let, let me go a layer deeper or last one. I, I didn't research the topic as strongly. And so I was just surface level. Let me see if I can go a layer deeper so you can pick apart points in the game. Once again, I'll go back to Kobe because <laughs> RP man, that, that was my number one. Like I'm, that was my number one from the beginning, but yeah, like he knew that, okay, his mid range was great. He had a great mid range and he can dunk on you. But then later on, he had to work on a three point. And then later he had to work on his defense because people was like, you know, kind of, you know, pushing him over, you know, then he was all, you know, first time, you know, all first all D. 
on defense. So, oh, I need to get bigger. So I'm, I'm getting pushed a lot. Okay. I need to go in the weight room. So you, you, you break it into little tasks. Break it up into little tasks. Don't, you don't, you're not going to save the world tomorrow. You know, break it up in little tasks and then, okay, I finished that task. Okay. What's the next sort of weakness or what's the next thing that I need to work on? So what works, uh, what motivates me, and that's just my sports background, is just like I just always, I'm a competitive. And since I can't, you know, I can't play football anymore, I can't run through people's chests. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Like, but, but here I can, I'm competitive against myself. So, yeah. Where, where does that come from? Oh, man. My mom will want me to say her. But uh, <laughs> uh, she's like, you know, baby. No, I, man, it's so natural. I don't even know. Like, it, as long as I remember, I just always wanted to, I, I just hated losing, but I wasn't the guy who would not like losing and then stop. Like, I'm like, I'm going to figure out why am I not good at it? Why, why are you beating me? <laughs> like, like, I remember I was just thinking like, this, is a, this one kid, I'm not going to say his name, but he kept on beating me in one-on-one. I was like, what about this? This is impossible. Why you keep on beating me? I was like, oh, wow, his dribble is a little bit better. Okay, let me get my dribble a little bit better. Okay, he's he's really good, you know, backing down. I need to get a little stronger. Okay, so it's just that thing. And then you wind up like, oh, man, now I'm beating them three out of five times, seven out of ten times. And it's, it's, it's that, that work. But the competitive, you know, I come from a family of college athletes, you know, track runners, football players, basketball players. So like, Oh, I'm sure that's it. Then I'm there's some of that there. Cause you're just like, you're seeing this around you and you're just like, Oh, this is how this, this family plays at, at the top level. <laughs> so, do, do you know how competitive just dance gets on? We during the holiday season, people, you'll stop talking to a family member for months. Cause they beat you on just dance. The Michael Jackson version. <laughs> Who's just killing that? Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh man. So uh this has been amazing. This is a lot of fun. Couple of questions as we wrap up. What's something you changed your mind about recently? My first idea is not necessarily my best idea. Learning to when you have better information that comes through, and even though you worked on something so long and you almost become married to it, emotionally you're attached to it to step back and look at that new information and be like, oh man, damn, that does make better sense. Okay. Okay. I got it. Cool. So being a little bit more easy to, cause I'm pretty headstrong, but I like to be a little bit more easy with, you know, divorcing myself from that, that first love and know that, okay, the second one is different, but it might actually help, you know, the overall quality in the product. Mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh people not never use the 1.0 version of a software because it's like nah something's gonna be wrong with that one <laughs> like like apple products like i'm gonna wait for the the 1.1 or the, the 2.0 but then you get arrogant and you just be like man the first thing i drop is fire that's the that's a masterpiece what you talking about i said it is done like <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah what's the most misunderstood thing about you you want to tell from this podcast, but uh, when I'm actually like working, like in work mode, I, I'm very, I want to say introvert. Yeah, but I'm kind of like in my own space. And if people walk around, some people 
I don't want them to think like, hey, I'm blowing you off or I'm not sort of like listening to you. It's just like, for some reason, I'm terrible at multitasking. So I just need to put my full full focus into this. So it's like, trust me, I'm not trying to be a nass. (laughs) That compassion, that empathy is a hundred percent there, but I just, I have different modes where I'm like, okay, work mode. And then, okay, chilling with Harry talk play mode, you know what I'm saying? But like for them it's like, wow, how can you make it snap like that? Like it's just code, code, code yeah, switching. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all it is. So I hope they, you know, find that out, but yeah. Well, well, brother, I appreciate uh, we making this work. I'm glad you kept the invite open. And uh, it was like, oh, I know we talked about it, but then, you know, real life takes over. But you reached out and I'm like, oh, that was that was nice to see. Nice to get it on the calendar. And uh, I just knew from when we met, we hit it off. And so I these conversations I always know are going to be great because I've had a bit of a preview. I've had a drink at the bar with someone. And I'm just like, oh, this is like cool vibes. I can only Im- I can just imagine and I just know like an hour is going to go by like that. So and that's you know that's what happened here. So I just I'm I'm proud of what you've done with this show. This is a, a testament to kind of following your passion and figuring out where you can make things work in the environment that you're at and how you can add value and that's definitely what you've done with Immigration Nerds. I know the law firm is really probably surprised and maybe not so surprised because they know who you are. They're pr- they're still surprised. They're like, "Really?" Like, "Huh? Who who's coming in?" <laughs> wait you're being you're being interviewed now on other shows like what's going on <laughs> all right man so so uh where's the best place for folks to learn more about the show and, and to connect with you yes yeah, so our podcast you can go to www.eiglaw.com and you will find our podcast there also obviously spotify apple podcasts stitcher is immigration nerds immigration nerds so if you're interested in learning about the latest news and updates policy uh from you know in within immigration and by experts in the field then you can tune in and then hopefully we can have a good time while doing it so yeah. And then also our Twitter is IMM Nerds. And our Instagram is the same thing. IMM Nerds. Yep. And again, we'll make sure we have all those links in the show notes for folks to check it out. I'm glad we got a chance to connect. Hopefully it won't be uh too long before we jam out again at Oh, uh, we're jamming. And I'm getting those photos too. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a fantastic day. Thank you, Harry. My pleasure. Thanks again to Ian for coming on the show. It was nice to remember how we had a good time at Podcast Movement and made a plan to follow up, but it took longer than I had originally anticipated. And I, it was interesting to find out that how Ian was growing um, within his company and, and as a podcaster, which led to what I think is a much richer conversation now. Make sure you continue to support our sponsor, Focusrite, and maker of the Scarlet 2i2, what I have currently connected. And as of this recording, there should still be time to sign up for the promo, the podcast studio makeover with with $2,300 in amazing prizes. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite promo. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Book a free call with us at fullcast.co forward slash 15 to find out how we can help you with your show. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com for his amazing list of music. My 
Insofrequent reminder to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Podcastjunkies.com forward slash subscribe and all the great podcast players and catchers are there. Tune in next week for my conversation with Amy Woods, host and founder of 10X Marketing. Amy and I know each other from past podcast conferences. And while we always get a chance to hang out during and after some of these events, it was really during this conversation that I learned a lot about why she's such a, an awesome human being. If you made it this far, no doubt you're waiting for the retention hashtag. Let's go with hashtag Immigration Ian. Immigration Ian as the hashtag and tag myself at podcast underscore junkies and Ian at IMM nerds. That's I, M as in Mary, M as in Mary, N-E-R-D-S, M nerds. Thanks for all you to support the show. Stay safe, stay home, and take care of each other. We'll talk next week.